Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It's the Wesson Walker Show, but it's not Wesson Walker. I don't think the crowd knew it was coming, right? It is Fiddy, the board op producer for the Wesson Walker Show. And... Across the way from me is Flounder, the producer of the Mac Attack, also my lifelong Mac best and bone, friend. Mac and Bone Show. Oh, I've, been told, right. I've been told that I have to say it the correct way. And people have been getting very frustrated. But yes, yes, we are here. This has been, this has been talked about a lot on the text line, that they want to just hear this show eventually populate on the station here. We're getting our opportunity here, and we have been told by multiple people by the way, already this morning, that they do not trust us. No. And and, and that's how I know this show is going to be great. <laughs> when the boss is going off the air and giving us the guidelines that we have to follow, um, no sexual innuendos, can't make any promises about that. That's mostly your show, though. Yeah, well, it's uh, well, mainly we, just me. We dabble. We dabble. You know, um, he was worried about making it a Mets show, but it's like, buddy, it's the eve of a of a Tar Heel bowl game. Carolina basketball's rounding into form. You should be aware this becoming a Tar Heel takeover. That's how you know the next three hours are going to be a lot of fun. We hope you chime in. You can text us on the Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. But, buddy, um, I'm going to start off a little emotional. Oh, no. Because Already? Uh, we just opened the show. It's the first show, and you're emotional already? Well, oh. th- this has been the goal and the dream since the sixth grade. It's a fair point, yeah. The, you know, the foundation of our friendship was being Tar Heel fans, being sports nuts, and then, like, we discovered that you could do this for a living, sit on your rear end and talk sports, and we just identified from the sixth grade on, this is what we want to do. We want to do it together. And lo and behold, today for the next three hours, we get to talk some sports here in the Carolinas. Yeah, you're right about that. We actually talked about this, no lie. First day, met in sixth grade. Shout out to our middle school teacher at the time, Mrs. Mills. No chance she's listening. But that was where the friendship officially started. And we said that day, first day, we will be on radio talking sports together we didn't say wfnz but hey here we are but no seriously it's uh it's a lot of fun look we got some we we got some big shoes to fill there's no doubt about that with walker and wes they've well, done because a tremendous walker's job six four so he's got a 13 size shoe i mean yeah i'm five i'm five what five nine and a half what's what position am i playing point guard Nah. like like walker could potentially or walker was a stretch four or stre- or uh, the only thing he man. was stretching was talking about his accomplishments on the court because I've seen the tape. The tape ain't all that great. Hey man, we just had a press release that said that he was a member of the Charlotte 49ers basketball team. I can't be wrong, right? <laughs> That's one of my favorite moments, by the way. Uh, he he may have been tearing up those courts at UNC Charlotte in 
the rec center. That's probably about it. But no, seriously, it is. Uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun here. We are already seeing uh, more, plenty of people that are messaging in, very concerned about this being a Tar Heel show. And people think that we are the same person. Why is this a why is this a thing? I don't know because I told someone last week my takes are better than yours, so it's easy to identify who was who. Yeah, okay, that's sure. We'll go with that. I was gonna say that you sound just a slight bit more annoying than me, but you know, you, you go with it either way. I I seriously don't understand that. Do we do we legitimately sound like the same person? Because when I listen, like when we do podcasts and stuff, I've listened back before and I don't hear it. And we've never been told by anybody else but the listeners. So I don't know. We'll I just want to know, is it a compliment? Is it an insult? Is a, Or is it a complimented insult? Just tell me what huh? it is. You yeah. mean backhanded compliment? Well, I, I've, I've now... Complimented insult. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I like that saying that a lot better. So if you think we are the same person, just tell us, are you complimenting us? Are you insulting us? Is it a little bit of both? But, uh, buddy... We've pulled up to the scene. We've got our headphones on. We're bobbing to some Dr. Dre, maybe some Eminem. It's time, though, for us to get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! Ah, that hits every single time I hear Mac Brown say we look good getting off the bus. And that's been true for the Tar Heels the last three weeks that they played football games. Because once they got off the bus, uh, it, it, it didn't go can we very stay, well. Can we stay on the bus? <laughs> I, I mean, at this point, that's my question. Um, the first thing I want to start off with is two days after Christmas. We hope everybody had a great time, a great holiday oh, with yeah. their family. How was your Christmas? Did you get everything you wanted from Santa Claus? Did your parents spoil you? I know you loved my gift. Did you have a great Christmas? Day? Yeah, your non-existent gift was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was good. It was a little bit different um, this year because my dad has been dealing with some stomach issues. So normally we are a big Italian feast on Christmas. We want, you know, lasagna or baked ziti. Some sort of pasta is typically the main dish with a little any pasta early in the day. And then, of course, dessert at night. But this year we went to... Ming, a, a restaurant in Matthews called Ming Fu. Good Chinese spot. I got to tell you, dude, I. Y'all went out to eat on Christmas believe, Day? Yes. And I could not believe how many people were there. The waitress came over to our table when we ordered our food. Because we ordered like appetizers and stuff beforehand, like some wonton soup and stuff. And we said, well, should we put our orders in now? She said, yes, because it's going to take about 45 minutes to an hour to cook your food. That's I, this whole this restaurant was packed. Like, I don't I don't get it. Is this I want to know from the people on the text line, like, is this a thing that I've just been missing out on? Because I didn't think many people honestly went out on Christmas Day. I thought that was a stay home holiday. But there were a ton of people out there the other night eating Chinese food, which was great, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I, I know for me and my family, we don't go anywhere on Christmas. I feel bad. I had to stop and get gas on my way up to the mountains on Christmas Eve, and I felt bad. But Chinese on, on Christmas Day, you could sell me on that. You see, we do our dinner on Christmas Eve, 
But the problem was... So Christmas Christmas Day, you said... You've told me this before. It's breakfast that's big yeah. for Christmas Day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we eat big on Christmas Eve. The problem is, is where my folks go to church, their church was at 6 o'clock on Christmas Eve night. Gotcha. We're also big-time Cowboy fans. It's a family thing. Ugh. The game yeah. was recorded. We didn't get home from church until 8. Oh. We didn't oh, so finish watching. didn't watch- get to watch the game live? I saw the first two and a half quarters live. Uh. I waited to watch the last quarter and a half with the family. We didn't get done with dinner till 10, 30, 11. Then we did our Christmas Eve traditions where we give siblings, like uh, the siblings, we give our gifts out. So I gave my gifts out to my two, my two siblings and my folks. Then we read Twas the Night Before Christmas. It was midnight when my little siblings got into the bed. And then we stay up and watch a Christmas carol. I didn't go to bed till 2 a.m. Christmas morning. Oh, my God. I was God. exhausted. What time did you get up, though? Uh, I slept till 9. Really? They didn't wake you up that they didn't wake you up earlier? No. Yeah. I mean we, we were we were ten o'clock this year. We were a late one. But it's different it's also different when you get older, man. That's the other thing. Like it, it was exciting as a kid, but I, I, at this point I mean now I look forward to eating good cinnamon rolls, watching the Knicks lose as they did on uh, Christmas. Yep. And then Again. take a nap. Like by two o'clock I was pooped. Like we cut the Nick game off. About four minutes to go, and I was on the couch snoring. I was done. So, um, what was the best? What was the best gift you got? Ooh, that's a tough one, man. Because I got some really good ones. Uh, I got a pair of Mets shorts that I really liked because I've been needing some. I don't have any. Uh, so yeah, I'd probably I'd probably go with that. Or I got a new pair of uh, Tar Heel slides that I can wear. That was one of the surprises from my family. So. Uh, no, that was fun, man. That's awesome. Text in 704-570-9610, the best gift you got for Christmas. For me, it was uh, I met Roy Williams over the summer, Yeah. and I wanted the picture of canvas in a nice frame and everything. And my dad, who does some great woodworking, made me a nice, delicate frame. Is your dad Ron Swanson or something? <laughs> he, doesn't, he, he can't pull off the mustache of Ron Swanson. Yeah, makes sense. Makes everything sense. Everything else, though, yes. There you go. Um, he's going to stain it, and they've got the picture blown up. I got some Mets pajamas, which are pretty dope. Oh, I, nice. I got nice. a nice little uh, Tar Heel pillow, which Sir Minty will enjoy whenever he's laying at house all by his lunch when I leave for work in the day. So it was another good Christmas. Nice. Uh, 704 number on the text line says, Me and my family have a tradition of going to Waffle House for breakfast after we open gifts and bless and all the waitresses with a huge tip, and it's always hacked. I... I mean, I think that's cool. Like, look, here's my thing. If you got a tradition, man, stick with it. It's cool. But uh, to me, I'm just shocked that there are so... Uh, and one of the things I noticed, a lot of younger people, like tradi- your older people, they're, they're going to have all the family over and everything like that. But I couldn't believe how much, you know, how many different cars were on the road when we went out the other day. Shocking. Yeah. Even though it is Fitty and Flounder and for Wes and Walker... We are going to talk some Carolina Panthers. We got to, man. Because what they did on Saturday at the bank was nothing short of impressive. We're going to talk about that next. Stay with us. We'll be back. We're going to dive into Carolina's big win over Detroit. It's Fiddy and Flounder in for Weston Walker here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
92.7 WFNZ. It's the Wes and Walker Show. Fitty and Flounder in for the dubs. And we're starting to get some feedback as to why people think we sound alike via the garage door guru text line. Uh, my guy, Cat Square Smitty, says you guys sound exactly like because you have spent over half your lives together. I can't tell who was talking. It sounds like someone who was talking to their self. I, I just like that does not make any sense to me. Do people do, here's my question. Do people legitimately think that I come in, run the morning show and then come back later in the day? Also looking wearing similar clothes. I'll give you that. But basically looking completely different outside of that. Like that's just the, that's the interesting thing for me. But he's to be honest with you, he's probably got a point about the fact that we have been friends for over half our lives, and that's probably why we say so. We, we use similar lingo and stuff. You yeah, know? Um, you know, I guess the biggest difference is is I tell great jokes. Here it is, and you tell not so great jokes. I am more, I guess, I call perverted in my humor. Yes, uh, yes. By the way, the jokes thing completely wrong. But go ahead. Keep going. Everyone laughs at my jokes. And people don't laugh at my jokes? I, I mean, I don't. Well, yeah, because your sense of humor is, is is just so dark that it honestly is hard to reach those levels. That's all I'm saying. You know. We gotta talk to we, we gotta talk about this Panther game, man. Dude. I, I've been I've been foaming at the mouth for this. You're I'm not a even Panther a, fan. You're I'm foaming not, at the mouth? I'm not, but this is truly one of the best performances I have seen. From a team in this type of circumstance in a long time, in the NFL, for sure. Like, this was pretty much a must-win game. And as we saw later on in the evening, it became, or actually the next evening, uh, it became a must, it was a must-win game. And man, they knocked it out of the park. I mean, my God, that was one of the best performances I have seen from a rushing attack in the history of the NFL. Yeah, because I think the thing was is that I think we expected the performance we got on Saturday last week against Pittsburgh. Coming back from Seattle, Pittsburgh, round now they're rounding into what we've we've seen from them historically under Mike Tomlin. But we really thought they were going to be able to come in here and just overwhelm an opponent, and that didn't happen. They got beat at home by a team that played their style of ball against them. Mm-hmm. They ran it at Carolina. They made Mitch Trubisky look like a competent quarterback, which he's not. And so I think we came into this game so uneven. I picked the Panthers to win just simply because I wanted them to win. I didn't. I had, I had no trust and faith in them after what they did against Pittsburgh to come back and play very well on a short week at home. And I think we knew after that first drive they were ready because they just lined up. And it wasn't anything fancy, I thought. They just said, our men are better than your men. We're going to move and we're going to make holes for you. And Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman had hole after hole to run through. And they just overwhelmed Alliance defense, which in the last five games was only allowing 95 yards on the ground. I see my thing. I don't un- I don't understand. Did Chuba Hubbard being the starter catch the Lions off guard? Because he had two huge runs on the first drive of the game. And that sort of set the tone for the entire day. The Lions had absolutely nothing after that because then you bring in Deontay Foreman. He does what he needs to do. I thought the interior of the offensive line was phenomenal. And that was their biggest issue 
I thought against Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah, because Bradley Bozeman was atrocious well, against Br- Pittsburgh. I thought the week Brady before. Christensen was even worse. Yeah. And I thought both of those guys played really well. I mean, Brady did a tremendous job on a couple of pull blocks. And I thought Austin Corbett did a good job as well. The other guy, though, you you got to give credit to him. I thought he had a horrendous day catching the football. Dude, I thought Ian Thomas blocked his tail off. My God, he was setting some unreal edges out there. Well, and, the and, word go. And, and that's been, I think, their biggest problem with that tight end position is that it hasn't just been inconsistency in the passing game. We all thought upon the hiring of Ben McAdoo that Ian Thomas, Tommy Trimble, they were going to have better years because he looked at Ben McAdoo's you know, track record in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Tight ends put up pretty good numbers. Oh, and I he, saw it in New York, man. He, he did something with the Giants with a bunch of scrubs. Will uh, Ty, Larry Donnell. Um, I don't think he was there for Travis Beckham, but those are the types of dudes you were dealing with. It wasn't superstars. And he that that was one of the best things they did during that time. Because you remember the backs that the Giants had at that time. Ahmad Bradshaw, Brandon Jacobs. They liked that two-back system. And it worked so well because you had those tight ends that could block for you. Yeah, and so, I mean, I, I thought overall Saturday, it was a complete dominant effort up front. And it, it felt like for those of us that have watched the Panthers all of our lives, that are lifelong Panther fans, since Steve Wilkes has come and, and taken the interim job, it's felt like Panther football. It's not flashy. It's not sexy. We're going to run the football. We're going to play good defense. And we're going to ask our quarterback to make the two to three throws he has to make. And I think that's the biggest thing that, that, that I've seen from Sam Darnold is that he he looks confident. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, maybe it's the veteran offensive line that's helping him. Maybe it's Ben McAdoo helping him. But he looks way more confident and composed in that pocket than Baker Mayfield ever did. And, and I don't think we thought that was the expectation. You know, when they, well, you know, upon trading for Baker, they went through the quarterback competition, which everybody threw their arms up about. I thought it was the right thing to do, make Baker win the job. And then, you know, Sam gets hurt. And, and you know, we saw Baker play, you know, the worst level of football in the NFL this year. Mm-hmm. They move on from him. He's now in L.A. doing some pretty nice things for the Rams. Of course he is. But but Darnold, Darnold's, I mean, he's 3-1 as, as a starter, and he looks the part. He looks like the guy that they traded a lot of draft capital away for. He looks like the guy that they invested that fifth-year option almost $19 million in. And so for me, as a guy who sat here and criticized him for last year, I'm happy to see him come out here and look the part because he's making their quarterback decision this offseason a lot tougher than I think we thought it was going to be upon the firing of Matt Rule. Well, I mean, look, he's a limited quarterback. We know that. We've seen that multiple times in his career and even the other day. Like, the thing that he is doing now that he wasn't doing a year ago is he's he's just managing the game. He's taking what is given to him. And that was all that you wanted from Sam Darnold. You didn't you didn't want a guy that was going to come out and take over a game. Or not saying you didn't want that. I'm saying you didn't expect that with him. But you're now getting to a point where you can lean on your run game. And when yeah, when you run as well as you did the other day, I mean it's hard not to have success. But I thought, I mean, you look at a couple of those throws that he made to DJ Moore in the second half, he doesn't make those throws last year. Nope. There's so much more confidence from him. And I think, honestly, when you talk about what actually helped him the most, clearly Ben McAdoo coming in helped him. 
Ben McAdoo and Baker Mayfield, they just didn't mix. And that's okay. Not it, it doesn't always work. But with Sam Darnold, I think it has worked. And I think the other thing is, is that he didn't have to be the guy right out of the gate like he did a year ago. A year ago, he had to be the guy. He opened against his former team in the New York Jets. There was a lot of pressure on him almost from the word go of, hey, man, we're bringing you in here to try to rehab your career. We need you to step up and play really well. And I also don't think the moves that you saw in season probably helped him either. Trying to be aggressive and go get Stephon Gilmore. Showing that, hey, we want to win right now when it's like, dude, that, that really wasn't sustainable with that roster this team again they're six and nine so they're not great it's nice but with 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 sam in there this this just feels like a completely different team and you got to give him credit for that well i i also think in the case of him how much of the injury actually helping from a mental standpoint because like when he first came back you know what did you learn during your time away and the thing, and the thing he said was, I re-fell in love with football. We've made a lot of fun of edgy Sam Darnold. You know, he grew out this beard. He looks like a guy straight out of a Breaking Bad. But during those three months not being a starting quarterback in the NFL, he re-fell in love with the game. Breaking Bank. Uh, you know, the, the the process of what it takes to play the quarterback position at at this level. And so whenever he came back, he's not he's not dumb. He can look at the situation and say, I've got an opportunity to prove myself, mm-hmm. whether it's me here next year in Carolina or, you know, somewhere else in a, in a league that is always quarterback thirsty. Everyone is looking for that next quarterback. He knew that he had a, a an eight game sample size, six game sample size to really prove if he could play you know, in the NFL. And I think right now. At three and one at the starter, he's got them playing meaningful football the last two weeks of the year. If Carolina wins out, they win the division. They'll host a playoff game. He's done that because I think no matter what, he's on this roster next year in some capacity. Oh yes, I would say so. I, I would at this point. What he's shown you here recently. Look, PJ did some good things when he was in there. I think it's very clear that Sam Darnold is the guy that should be on this roster of the current quarterbacks outside of Matt Corral. He's, of course, going to be here, too. But I like, and see, you, you've you been against this, but I agree with what Big Cat Dan is saying on the text line. He says that what this Sam that we've seen so far allows us to draft an Anthony Richardson, a Hendon Hooker, or even potentially a C.J. Stroud, and... Maybe give them time to develop. Let them sit on the bench. I think that's I think that's probably where you're at. And it's weird because I, I'm not against them going that route. Okay, I'm against them drafting Anthony Richardson. That guy's at least two to three years away. I've seen I'd that agree guy with you. go nine for twenty seven in a college football game. Okay, can we at least agree on this though? I do not. I like Richardson. The tools that he has better than Will Levis. I yes. don't get the Levis thing. I, I just, I have no idea. And I know you don't like him because he puts the mayo in the coffee. And he eats banana peels. Yeah, that's pretty You're disgusting. You're supposed to peel too. it off the banana, hence why it's called a peel. I mean, I've heard of people that eat banana peels themselves. It's only like a couple of people. They put ketchup on it. But like, yeah, it's it's he's an odd dude. There's no doubt about that. But I just, 
both of those guys, you're playing in the SEC East. And look, I get it. The SEC East this year, much better than it was in past years. But even the teams out, really the teams outside of Georgia, has there ever been a point that you've watched those guys and felt like week to week, you can trust them to take over games? I just, I don't feel that. And if I'm drafting a guy in the first round, that's kind of where I need to be with my quarterback. That's my mindset as a front office man is I need a guy that I honestly look at and say to myself, that dude can take over games at some point. I don't, I don't feel that with these guys. Oh no, neither do I. And so like my point I was making the, a couple weeks on the show is that the reason why I think it's going to be really hard for Carolina to draft another rookie quarterback is you have to look at a scenario where you've got four quarterbacks on your roster. Because you have no experience in Matt Corral. And while I still want to see that through. I just want to see what the kid has to offer. Because the arm talent's there. It's more about does he have the body frame to withstand taking hits to the NFL. But he's never played it down in the NFL. And so if you got Sam and then you've got Corral. And then you draft Richardson, Levis, you know, Hooker, whoever it is. Mm -hmm. You have to entertain the idea of keeping PJ on the roster in some form or fashion, because if something happens to Sam and his two years here in Carolina, he's gotten hurt. Does Steve Wilkes or Shane Steichen, whoever's head coach, want to put a rookie out there and jeopardize things going really, really south really, really quick? I wouldn't think so. I mean, look, I, I if you're bringing in one of those guys as the head coach, especially Shane Steichen, um, I, I think with Steve Wilkes, he's a guy that if if that is the choice, he should clearly have multiple years to build this. But that's to me, that's something that you just have to understand if you're in that front office, because you've got to draft a first round quarterback, right? If you if you if you fall in love with one, at least you've got to draft them. I see. I mean, I I feel like they're in a position to where even if they split these last two games, they're seven and ten. You might be inside the top ten. Maybe depending on how all the chips fall, I think you're probably looking at a scenario where either Fitty puts on his trade hat and he makes another deal, whether he falls back or whatever, or you just go best player available, whether that be someone you know on offense, another weapon, or you add to that defensive side. You know, maybe you you find someone else on defense, whatever that that player may be. That's where I think they are, especially if they make the playoffs. Because I think right now, I, I think there's a better chance. They, they trade for another quarterback this year, then they draft one. Because they'll be able to look at it and say, hey, we're better set up to go attract a quarterback via trade, mm-hmm. via free agency, than drafting. Because, now, I mean, I'm sold as hell on Bryce Young. I've watched that guy make every throw you have to make in the NFL level in college. I, I know people are worried about his body. That guy's one tough SOB. I, I, I'm sold on him. Stroud, it's not that he's an Ohio State guy. I've seen him in big moments. He's 0-2 against Michigan. He was really great in the Rose Bowl a year ago, but does he have the it factor? I don't know. Then after that, it's it's a literal crapshoot. So that's why if you're not in the market to get Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, if I'm Carolina, I'm trading that pick to recollect draft capital or I'm, or I'm going best player available. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, I, well, it, the, the thing, we got to talk more about the rushing performance now. I mean, this is, I mean, you, you're talking about a franchise record for mm. rushing yards in this game. The amount of big plays that they hit. I mean, within the first 
20 minutes of the game, you had hit four plays of 20 or more rushing yards. Yeah. I mean, that's that's insane. They'd ran for over 100 yards by the second drive of the game. I mean, it's crazy. Like, we've seen big play offenses before, but this this was not the way that the Panthers had been moving the ball, even with Sam in here. It had been a more methodical yeah. focus. And, I mean, my God, that was just amazing how they were able to use all those guys. And the other thing that I thought they did a really good job of I thought that Sam Darnold did a fantastic job of listening to what Steve Wilkes told him to do. He used his legs more in this game. That was needed. There was absolutely no resistance from the Lions, and they kept going back to it. He kept running the football, and I thought overall you saw a step from Sam in that respect as well. Well, I mean, you remember last year in September – I mean, he was being called, you know, Sam Newton or whatever it was because he led the NFL with yeah. rushing oh, touchdowns. Yeah, that was a thing, yes. It led Terry Bradshaw to say he was the best quarterback in franchise history. And I think that's something that, you know, it's not just a Sam Darnold thing. How many quarterbacks around the league, if they would just realize, hey, I can tuck the ball down and gain three yards, it's a positive play. You know, and sometimes you want those guys to live to play another down, and I get that. But also, when you have to make the defense account for your legs – it's going to open up that tight end route that you're wanting to get across the middle. It's going to do a lot of things in play action when you're trying to freeze the defense. The thing that he has done a really good job of this year is he's been receptive to the coaching. He seems a lot more coachable under Steve Wilkes, Ben McAdoo, than he was under Matt Rule and Joe Brady. We're going to keep the Panthers conversation going, but now it's time for me to throw it to myself here for a fitty flash. Ah. Uh. Do you want me to flash you like I flashed my other guys? You no, want me to keep my shirt on? No, I'm 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 quite good. I've already seen the pictures of you from back when you were with Nick Wilson sitting in the studio shirtless, by the way. That was more of a punishment. That wasn't me just willingly. Who is that a punishment to? Everybody else, right? We're not the most in shape fellas here. I mean, I'm not saying I'm great looking either, but come on. We did get some big news uh, this morning out of the NFL. Uh, Cardinals pass rusher, future Hall of Famer, J.J. Watt, did announce this will be his final season. When he got, when he left Houston, it was a team and a franchise in, a, in, in rebuild. So he wanted out. He wanted to go somewhere that he could felt like he could compete to win a championship. Arizona started last season 9-1, and 10-1, and one, something like that. They falter. This year, it's 4-11. They've already been limited from the playoffs. He's not going to get a championship ring. What does this do for his legacy in the eyes of NFL fans? He's going to go in the Hall of Fame, but where does he rank among the all-time pass rushers considering he doesn't have that elusive Lombardi trophy? I mean, he's still got to be like top 15, right? I mean, he was just unbelievably dominant for a franchise that for the better part of his time there pretty much had nothing. I mean, they, he he was one of the big reasons why they were as successful as they were early in his career. So I think, I mean, he's got to be in that conversation. And, and and look, when you saw the the team that he went to after Houston, we all knew like it, there's it's pretty slim that he's going to get a Super Bowl ring. But I think he's had a major impact. Clearly, he's had a major impact on Houston, not just the the team itself. 
but in the community. Yeah. He, it feels like he's had a pretty big impact with the Cardinals defense as well. I mean, he's still playing at a pretty high rate. And, I mean, all this stuff with the heart, the fact that he had that heart issue and came back and played. I mean, he is going to be one of those fan favorites. So, yeah, you're right. He'll be in the Hall of Fame. I would I would still probably have him top 15. He'd still be in that conversation for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely do agree. But, you know, in this era of sports talk, sports debate, we look at rings for arguments. He doesn't have one. But you look at the impact on and off the field he's had in Houston and Arizona. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer uh, if, if, if I had to bet. Coming up next here on the Weston Walker Show, Fiddy and Flounder in for Weston Walker. We're going to visit the campus corner. And Paulo Bancaro said what about Duke's home loss to Carolina? Oh, yes. We'll talk about that next year on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It's the Weston Walker Show. Fiddy and Flound in for the boys. I got to tell you, that, that music hits different whenever you hear that that beat change. Oh, and then, I, and then, I love this. I love this song, dude. Whenever they bring you in, they only do it once a show, too, for college game day. But when they bring you in with this, I mean, it makes you just want to run through a freaking brick wall. Yeah, I, 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 I absolutely love it. It's one of it's why I love this segment. I think it just really sets it up very well. But, yeah, the content is questionable, but... Yeah, well, because sometimes, you know, we just never get to the actual campus corner because, we're, you know, you come in and we're trying to get lunch or... You know, wow. I, okay. Okay. Or I mean, right. I or I said something I during the break that gets it sideways. No, not you, man. So come on. Um, but we are going to go ahead and visit the campus corner here, and we're going to go back to early March this year, uh-huh. where uh, Carolina and Duke renewed the greatest rivalry in all of sports. That's right. Uh, it was Coach K's final home game. We all may remember this. And very you, well, you know, uh, among all the hype and the, you know, the hoopla, people forgot there was an actual basketball game that had to be played that night in Cameron Indoor Stadium. But one team didn't forget that would be Carolina and the Tar Heels as they went into Cameron. And I'm not going to call it an upset because I never think it's an upset when one team beats the other. You throw the records out. Carolina beat Duke. They ruined Coach K's final game in Cameron Indoor Stadium. And then... And his final game ever. You know, a <laughs> month later, as the basketball gods deemed to see fit, these two teams met in the final four. In the most anxiety-ridden two and a half hours of my life. Um, a Carolina would knock Duke out of the final four and advance to the national title game. So they ruined, or they, they ended his career with an L. Well... Paula Bancaro, who was the first pick in the NBA draft or the Orlando Magic, and he's doing some big-time things on a bad basketball team. Yeah, he's pretty good. Um, He was on the Old Man in Three podcast, and he talked about the details of playing in Coach K's final game and the pressure that came along with uh, with, with that. I mean, I've never felt to this day a game like, like that last game at home. Like, that was crazy. Like, just being on the court and, like, 
just the amount of pressure and like expectation we had like we didn't even really practice or like game plan that week like it was just so much going on um around coaching you know people coming in and reporters like a bunch of media like the most media you know we had all year was during that week yeah, just, 96 former players. At the yeah, game. like they're <laughs> trotting out yeah, they're on the court before the yeah. game. I'm trying. I'm the whole time the pregame. I'm trying to think like, if it was a player, my routine was so important. Yeah, that no, game, it, y'all's it, just yeah, so. Yeah, and it kind of threw us off a little bit. And I mean, and then once they started coming back, um, I mean, we got a lead early. But like once they started to come back and gain momentum, it was like that's when the pressure just. You know, grew to its its largest because we knew if we didn't come back or if we didn't respond, like just the weight of the whole world was on us. And Jesus, you know, man. when we didn't, I mean, it was like it was tough, man, because we knew the season wasn't over. Obviously, we had bigger goals, but like that was the game. Like you can't lose. You didn't know this audio existed. I told you yeah. about this last night when we were planning the show. Now this was this was recently though. This was like last week. Yeah, yeah. So this was this was not like right after that. No, it wasn't no. something that we just had never discovered. This was late last week. Yeah, that this, this was. Came out. I, yeah, I think yeah. I first saw it Wednesday or Thursday. I heard it on the clubhouse with Kyle Bailey as I was leaving Friday, and I hear this audio, and I hear a minute and twenty of just excuses and i just stopped and stared smoke actually flipped me off because even he knew yeah, what he was he playing was just a joke he knew it what do you make of this i mean i don't it's an excuse but it's one that's understandable because this is why as a toriel fan I was glad that this was not how Roy went out because it just it puts so much pressure on the players and something like that. Like this is it is rare that you see a, a you know a handful of guys that come back to Duke at the same time. There there are some guys that come back. There's no doubt about that. But like for for that collection of guys to come back, they had their own section. They were wearing all the T-shirts. Brotherhood. I mean, I mean, it's just there was so much that went into that game. The thing about not practicing the same, like, that's what's insane to me. Like, I don't understand. Is that a reflection on Coach K? Was that supposed to be? Boney has brought this up before when we talked about this game back in March. Was that a a time where he wanted to see John Shire sort of step up and start to show why he was the reason that they got picked? I don't really know. But, you know, knowing Coach K and knowing how – arrogant he is I couldn't see that happening knowing how big that game was right because like no matter what when when they, when they bring up coach K's final season it's they're not going to mention that they made the final four they're going to be told you lost to Carolina at home in your final game ever and then you lost to Carolina and in right, the final four and rightfully so that should be what should stick with these players for the rest of their time when they think about Duke that that should there's no doubt about that because there's times where Carolina has lost to Duke and there's ones that'll stick in their craw as well. No doubt about it, but it's just, I don't know. That's that's a weird quote. And I mean, J.J. Redick, you could tell J.J.'s trying to help him out there a little bit to add to the reasons why. It's just, look, it, we knew this was going to happen. We said that when we broke down that game, both on his station 
And when we did our podcast, one of the biggest things that we said went in Carolina's favor was that this was a spectacle for Duke. This was not a game. This was an event. Yeah. For Carolina, it was a game. Well, I mean, at the time, their tournament lives were still in the balance. Right. So that's, I think that's why it's, it just, you could tell that it was, it was different and you could tell there was a lot of pressure on those guys. And I think now this is just kind of confirming it. I don't think that Paolo has any ill will towards Coach K, but I think he is kind of saying, you know, if it wasn't this blown out of proportion thing, we might have it might have been a little bit different. Yeah, because when they went to Chapel Hill in his final game at Carolina, it wasn't very fun for us. It was it was a butt kicking that wasn't even as close as the final score indicated. Really quickly here, since we are in the campus corner, um, a rumor that we've, we've basically been told since the end of the regular season, basically been confirmed this morning by ESPN's Pete Thamel, Wake Forest quarterback, a record-setting quarterback, Sam Hartman does plan to enter the transfer portal and the likely landing spot for his next destination will be South Bend and Notre Dame. Your thoughts on that? Is this an upgrade for Sam Hartman? Does this make Notre Dame a viable maybe playoff contender next year? What do you think? So, yes, for Sam Hartman. No doubt about it. You're going to Notre Dame. But this is a guy that doesn't talk to the local media here and you're going to a pressure field place that is Notre Dame football. I mean, he'll navigate that. I'm not really that worried about that. In terms of his on-field performance for Notre Dame, look, I think it's an upgrade for Notre Dame from what they had just because of the the amount of back and forth. I mean, to be honest with you, if you were Notre Dame, I mean, were you not thinking that Drew Pine might be your guy? And then he he enters the portal. He goes to Arizona State, and it's like, okay, well, now we're we're kind of scrambling here. So, yeah, I think it's an upgrade for them. Do I think it's it's automatically going to be a success? No. And to be honest with you, I told you this when we were talking about this before the show. If you look at the local quarterbacks, we heard they were in the market for Devin Leary. Is he better than Devin Leary? Is that a better option for them for what Notre Dame does? Like, I thought the fit of Leary there made a lot of sense. I think Hartman can be successful there. But the problem with Hartman is, like you said, we've seen him in pressure-packed situations. This dude, when he starts turning the football over, it is so hard to get him back on track. So I, that would concern me a little bit about him. Yeah, I think whenever we're watching Notre Dame football next year, we'll all be leery of the performance that Sam Hartman oh delivers. My God, I thought we were not going to have any of these today, and <laughs> no. here we are. Um, that's going to do it for the Campus Corner here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Coming up next, though, we're going to turn our attention back to the Carolina Panthers. One former Panther is back in Charlotte, and they got, they got more former tar or more former Panthers talking about maybe rejoining the team. We'll talk about that next year on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.